immediately they both made me feel so comfortable and at ease and loved and accepted and part of the club. It just made me feel safe to try anything, you know. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. Natalie Portman has been working in this business for three decades. From her film debut at age 13 in Leon, The Professional, to starring on Broadway as Anne Frank in The Diary of Anne Frank, to international stardom in the Star Wars prequel trilogy as Padme. Since then, she's never looked back. Earning Oscar nominations for her performances in Closer and Jackie, one of my favorite performances from her, and of course, winning Best Actress at the 2011 Academy Awards for her gripping performance in Black Swan. In 2020, Natalie journeyed into the world of women's professional soccer, founding the Los Angeles-based team Angel City FC. A year later, she formed her production company, Mountain A, alongside her producing partner, Sophie Moss. Their first film, May-December, premiered this spring at the Cannes Film Festival. Over the last few months, I've spoken with director Todd Haynes, producer Christine Vachon, and actors Julianne Moore and Charles Melton about the making of this film. Today, I'm thrilled to share the final piece of the puzzle as Natalie and I talk about her role as a producer, what it was like acting alongside Julianne and Charles, and of course, her experience working with Todd. Hi, Krista. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Nice to see you. Well, first of all, congratulations on the success of the film. It's so exciting to see. Thank you. I love this film the second I saw it, and it's had such a journey since it premiered at Cannes. I guess my very first question is, this is the first feature for Mountain A, correct? Correct. What was the inspiration behind forming the company? And then what was it about this material that made you want it to be the first film out of the gate? Sophie Moss and I had been friends for a really long time and she was a great producer and I was excited to, um, you know, start a company with her when she was ready to. And, um, and we both just kind of wanted to make the kinds of films we want to see by our favorite filmmakers and also new and exciting voices. Um, So we were just blown away by the opportunity to get to work with Todd Haynes for our first feature, who's someone I personally have admired for my entire career and um, have dreamed of working with. And then kind of was lucky enough to because of this extraordinary first script by Sammy Birch. Sammy Birch, she thought of this idea, right? Growing up in the 90s, having remembered the the kind of tabloid story and then the idea of like, where are they now? Having lived through all of that, I was like, who would think of that? It's just kind of genius. And I agree with you on Todd Haynes. I mean, he is one of the best of the best. And also, Sophie Moss is incredibly chic, if I can say that. I know that's shallow. But <laughs> she <maybe>. is. <laughs> she's she's as brilliant as she is chic. So it's very lucky. And then you and Sophie Moss met at the Cannes Film Festival, right? We met at Cannes like almost 20 years ago, I think. 15 years ago, something like that. Yeah. And then to have your first film premiere at Cannes, that feels a little yes. to me. 
It was very full circle. Seeing the movie, you watch it, you automatically think like no one but Todd Haynes could direct this film, right? It's just like, right. oh, this is this is just an extension of you. But when you right. read the script, what made you, the producer and also the actress, think that this was uh, this was a film for Todd? No, that's really great the way you put it, because I think once you see it, he's put such an indelible stamp on it that you can't imagine it any other way. Um, when I read it, um, first of all, I had dreamed of working with Todd on, um, you know, for so long that I had sent him other projects before, um, because I think he could make any, any, script you know brilliant i think he can he can do that but then when i actually got this this incredibly um you know subtle and poignant writing from sammy birch i thought wow this deals with so many of the issues he returns to again and again like identity and performance and complicated internal lives of women and um you know kind of the rotten core of American suburbia um, and like American kind of uh, conventional family life. And, um, and when I sent it to him and he took to it, it was just magical the way that he took this already brilliant script and enhanced it by the way he framed things that, device of the mirror that he used, the music choices. I mean, it was just really tonally specific and complicated what he was able to tread. When you were reading it, did you think of Julianne when you were thinking of Elizabeth and Gracie? Like, was she in your mind when you were reading it at all? I don't think I dared to dream that <laughs> because she is really just like the person I so most admire and and study you know like i watch her work over and over and over again to learn from it so when todd said he had slipped it to her and that she was interested in playing gracie i like blacked out <laughs> basically <laughs> just you know completely believe my luck Todd, her, I think it's their fifth film they've done together. What's amazing to learn through working with this film and talking to Todd and Christine and Julianne and even Charles is that you guys shot in 23 days. How did you and Julianne work together and knowing that you were going to have to be kind of working in sync? Yeah, I mean, I really feel so much like we created something together. It really feels like we worked in lockstep. We did not have rehearsal time, which is kind of insane for the schedule that we had. And it was very scary to know that I had to, you know, kind of slowly morph into her character without knowing what she was going to do. Like I just saw what she did on day one, but luckily we were shooting relatively chronologically, which Todd insisted upon, thank God, so that I could in real time observe and learn what she was doing which luckily is also what my character is doing so it made sense that in those scenes where early scenes like the barbecue or the dress shop where 
Elizabeth is learning Gracie that I could be studying Julianne in the scene work. The other thing that was just lucky is how brilliant Julianne is, obviously, and then how generous she is because she was very conscious of what I needed to do when she was creating her character. So she was making choices for Gracie, but she made sure that she chose things that were right for her character that also could be really identifiable traits that I could mimic, like the lisp, for example, or like the very feminine hand gestures, so that there were concrete things I could latch onto that the audience would recognize as well. And, you know, she didn't have to do that. She could have played her very kind of like with a regular voice and with <laughs> regular gestures. And I could have uh, been really stuck, but she was extremely generous in her characterization. One of the things that I want to tell you is that when I talked to Julianne, she said something that's really stuck with me is she was equally as excited to work with you having watched you sweet. and watched your work but she said she never really knew you you know socially a couple times yeah. like in hollywood you know obviously people run into each other and whatnot but what she yeah. loved is she said we're so similar because we're both very serious about the work but we don't take ourselves seriously great way of putting it it was really really fun to work with her and it was very exciting to discover that we had this sort of similar way of being where we were very serious about what we were doing. And then as soon as they'd say cut, we were also happy to like go sit and, you know, talk about our, our kids or our homes or whatever that we were talking about. And it was just really, it was really lucky to have a partner like that, that I felt I could trust so completely. You know, I felt very intimidated before we started, especially because she and Todd had had all of these collaborations that were films that I lived for and admired so much and thought, oh, I'm like the interloper coming into this club. Mm -hmm. And immediately they both made me feel so comfortable and at ease and loved and accepted and part of the club, you know, and it just made me feel safe to try anything, you know, and not only was I safe, but I also had a partner in Julianne who I could throw anything at her and she'd throw it right back. And she would throw things at me that were gems, you know, for me to throw back to her too. So it was really fun to push each other and play in the scenes and then feel like we could joke around and have fun when the cameras were off. That scene when the camera's right on you and you're reading the letter. It is like a tour de force of a scene. For you as an actress, do you get that on the first take or do you have to work through that several times in order to feel like you've got it? With only 23 days, we were very lucky that Todd, first of all, that he was just so prepared and so wonderful at communicating his vision and tone for, for the film, but also his choice to do these kind of single locked off shots gave us room to play. So because we had, did that whole scene in one, one shot, I got to do like eight or nine takes of it, which was amazing. And I don't think that it was, it, it just gave room to try different things. After you left tonight, I thought about the kind of life that we could have if things were different. If I'd been born later, you 
long ago. But who knows what we would have been like then, or where, what tragedies we'd have to face along the way, what bad luck. This is not what I ever would have wanted, but I'm so grateful that our paths led us to this road. No matter what the cost. Like, I don't think it's like a cumulative process where by the end you get it, like after, you know, it's not like that. It's more just that you can try one that's more emotional. You can try one that's more cold. You can try one that's more sexual. You can try one that veers between them. You can try them in different ways. It was fun to get to do that, like where we'd cut and be like, oh, what if we did this or what if we did that, you know? And and I feel like that's how we got there. And that's rare to shoot that quickly with that little time and not feel pressured or frenzied to get it in one take. It really just kind of distills so much about the film as well and about Gracie through Elizabeth. It's just like all comes to crescendo in that in that scene. All right, let's talk about Charles Melton and Joe. So I'm the only person on the planet that didn't see Riverdale. I'm with you. I also didn't see it, but I know it's very popular and he's very popular, of course, as he should be. How is it working with him? And obviously he's talked about like just being on set and being like, oh my God, I'm with like two, two of the greats. He felt so taken care of. But what was like having that kind of new energy? Charles is just extraordinary. I mean, he's such a good actor. He's such a serious actor. He is so focused, so prepared, works so hard, and is also really kind and fun to be around on set. Like he's really the whole package, you know, he's incredibly talented and an incredibly good human being. And we just had fun. And also, I mean, I know I was intimidated coming into that room. Like he came in with his own feelings that he can describe himself, but what he showed us was great confidence and great sureness about the character and who the character was. It was very clear right away. And it's so different from who he is like now doing press with him it's like being with a completely different person the physicality mm. is different the the way he carries himself the way he talks the way he expresses himself like in life he's a very eloquent physically capable guy and he really was so joe when we were shooting mm -hmm. i know it's crazy to realize he was a football player and just so agile yes. and, yeah and I'm, I'm so happy that he's getting recognized yeah he deserves all of it did you have a, a favorite line that you got to say in this film or that was said to you? The one that kills me every time that I think is, and it also has to do with some of Julianne's decisions about the way she performs it, is in that makeup scene where she puts makeup on me and I ask her, this is Sammy's writing, of course, what was your mother like? And she says, she was beautiful. What do your parents do? They're academics. My mother wrote a pretty respected book on uh, epistemic relativism. <sighs> My mother wrote a great recipe for blueberry cobbler. 
What was your mother like? She was beautiful. And everything that isn't said there and that long pause Julianne chose to take before she says that just breaks me every time. I just think it's so devastating because it's these two women who are such manipulators and never telling the truth, kind of revealing themselves to each other as not having the mothering they needed, but without saying that at all, you know, with saying something that sounds like a compliment. She was beautiful. That's um, really, really beautiful writing. That is a great, great scene. I had her break that down and she was just so worried about getting your makeup right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she had this, she had so many like practical challenges while she had acting challenges in this. Like she baked a cake in real time while we were shooting that scene where she's, you know, teaching me how to bake. And she mm-hmm. like had to put the makeup on in real time and like do it so that by the end, you know, I looked as much like her as possible. Um, yeah, she had a lot of tricky logistics props um, that she was very adept at um, by working very hard. But um, yeah, that scene is really, I think, so beautiful because both of them are somehow trapped in in their performance of womanhood and what is more performative, what is more like emblematic of performance than makeup application. And reflection as performance and to have the camera where the audience is the mirror. I mean, it's just all so many layers of identity performance. Let's talk a little bit about more performances because I watched Black Swan the other day. And not even because I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Natalie just because I was like, oh, Black Swan, just remembering the feeling that I had watching that film. But it got me thinking about the career you've had and how incredibly consistent you've been since you were a kid. And I know like we can look at the professional. I still love that movie. I know I look at it with kind of more a different lens and be like, oh, it's kind of a little creepy, but she's so good. It still doesn't diminish the experience for me. And just watching watching your career, and it looks like so brilliantly laid out. But we all know in Hollywood, things <laughs> like that don't really happen. Like, let's do Star Wars in the all. summer when I'm in college. I mean, it all <laughs> seems like, wow, how did this all get orchestrated? For <laughs> you looking at it now, how do you think about all of that and all those choices? Yeah, it's funny. Thank you for saying that, because it doesn't feel like that to me at all. Like, mine, I always feel like, oh... I've got some clunkers in there, you know, like, and sometimes the ones that work kind of far, far between. Um, But uh, it's so lucky to get to have a long career. I mean, it's three decades now. I've been working for 30 years, which is just wild because, first of all, it's wild that I still have the opportunity. I feel so grateful for it and the opportunity to work, not just to work, but to work with people I really love and admire. And then also that I'm still really curious about it and really interested in it and love it. 
And that feels super lucky. Like I didn't know if that was going to last for me. I didn't know if that was going to wear off for me. And that's been a super lucky discovery too. So yeah, it certainly is, has not been planned or orchestrated or, um, you know, it's, it's been, a, you know, a, just a very uh, lucky thing. And also, you know, I think when you have the opportunity and the curiosity, it leads you to interesting places. All right. About that curiosity, soccer. I went to an Angel City game. I, I was a soccer yes. player. I'm a giant yes. soccer fan. I was in the Rose Bowl when the 99ers oh my won God, the World that's Cup. That's so awesome. Oh so my God, how I, cool. It's so exciting that all these women founded this league. How has that experience been for you as such a departure, obviously, from acting? How did you get to be involved in it? You know, it's it's been really uh, weird, I guess. For me to be part of it because it's very unexpected for my like I would have never expected it for myself um but it's been really extraordinary as an experience and a very different experience to film world um even though obviously it shares some aspects in a kind of entertainment way but of course I was never involved or had any talent with um, athletics. And I've never really been that interested, honestly. And I started getting interested when I saw my son looking up to the female football players in the Women's World Cup in 2017. And I started realizing that if kids were looking up to these great female athletes, the way they look up to the great male athletes, particularly in the most popular sport in the world, soccer, which the rest of the world calls football, mm -hmm. um, that we might actually change the next generation. And when I saw these incredible women, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Kristen Press, fighting for equal pay, you know, while they were fighting to win on the field, I also saw that they were like the the huge star athletes um, that they were and also were, you know, fulfilling a role of being warriors for justice as well. Um, I was just so moved by them and was like, how is it that these star players are playing on home teams and no one is paying attention to it? Because the league has existed and these home teams have existed and the women's world cup when it comes around is always enormously popular but then when they play on their home teams people aren't you know they're not being advertised they're not being um broadcast in the right way they're not so like so so much um more attention is deserved by by these players by these athletes so um, it's been really, really exciting and interesting and a whole new set of skills to learn, you know, of course, because it's it's a business um, and it's athletics, two things I know nothing about. And um, 
uh, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning as, as, as we go. Hmm. Well, it's incredible to see. And I, I think about when the women's uh, Olympic team won in Atlanta in 1996, and they didn't even televise it in America. <laughs> it's it's yeah, amazing how far we've that's come. That's crazy. And, and to go to a game, they're packed, first of all, and it's so fun and exciting. And the greatest thing about football is that it's 90 minutes. It's two 45-minute halves. It's fantastic. Right. It's like the greatest sport. Well, I also want to tell listeners about your Nats book club, which I just was made aware oh, of you. and have been following. It's so great, which is you recommend books, ones that you've read, and kind of talk about how they meant something to you. So I just yeah. think that's really cool. What was the impetus of starting that? You know, honestly, the well, first of all, I love sharing what books I love because I love getting recommendations from people as well. So when there's something extraordinary, I want to know, you know, about it. Um, but then also kind of selfishly, I love getting to talk to my favorite writers and it's been an opportunity to get to ask them a lot of questions and talk to them and some of them like get to know after and it's been really, really lucky to, yeah, have that kind of opportunity. Hmm. It's so cool. All right, Natalie, I've been asking everybody this season on the podcast, like outside of work and obviously now being a team owner, where would we find you? Like, what would you be doing on your day off? Let's say. I would be taking my kids to and from school and walking my dogs and making breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my day. Um, maybe running an errand in between. That's really all there's time for with uh, two kids, three dogs. But I love them so much. They're everything. <laughs> three dogs. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, also, that's one word for it. <laughs> yeah. It's so great to talk to you. I just love this film and your performance in it. And I'm thrilled Thank that you. it's getting the attention. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I'm glad people are loving it. So it's exciting. All right. Take care. And I hope I see you again Thank you. before too long. You too. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Feel better. Thank you. May December is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Riccio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueUE.com.